Okay, say some things. Hello. Adventure. Love. Connection. Risk. Passion. Evolution. Play. Life. The Archetypal Tarot Podcast. Provocative mythology for the 21st century. Aloha, this is Julienne, and for this episode, we have a high-voltage kitchen table conversation with Melissa Sinoba of Little Fox Tarot. And if you haven't heard of her, you should, because she's pretty damn awesome. And she's been slinging tarot cards and teaching classes on the tarot since 1989. And her first book, Kitchen Table Tarot, was released this year, and she's already working on another one. And so our conversation ranges from tarot and pop culture, politics, current events. And let me tell you, we filled up the swear jar on this one. So if you're sensitive to expletives, this might not be the episode for you. But for everyone else, hang in there until the end of the show and you will find out how to win a copy of Melissa's super awesome book, The Kitchen Table Tarot. Enjoy. Ring, ring, ring. (laughs) Hello. Melissa. Melissa. Oh my God. Hey, Julian, what's up? Oh, a lot is up. Um, we've got some shit we can talk about, lady. Good. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I've been well, waiting. <laughs> me too. And we'll see how much dogs start barking in the background since we are we're animals. It'll be, it'll be portentous, though, because you have two tarot people online. So it'll clearly mean something. And dogs are a symbol of loyalty, which is good. But um, I, I do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by kind of slobbering all over your book a little bit. Um, so much, <laughs> it's so much fun. And you, yeah, you write like you talk, as far as I can tell. And I, I appreciate the straightforward, in a nugget, this is the thing about the book and a little bit more about you and your history starting reading at 14 that I know a lot of our listeners are going to be into just picking up this book to learn, but also to be like, <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> she said it. Um, something in particular, cause I'm a huge fan of the major arcana, uh, the way you did the three words simplification of each major arcana, like the moon, I am wary, uh, like the star. I am. Hoping. Yeah. So nice that I, yeah, I just remember trying to learn them right with my, uh, really old eating gray book in one hand and a dictionary in the other, trying to figure out what the fuck she was talking about. And I wanted just someone to tell me, who is this card? Who is it? So I gave them each kind of an action statement, you know, with the moon, the moon is about being psychic and and picking up on your intuition clearly, but it's also like, you have to be wary because that light is very watery and it's a reflected light and it shows you what it wants to show you. And so I am wary to me gives like the, the first handshake to the card. And I like that. And I, the, tell me again, and I, I didn't get a chance to look up exactly the deck, the images that you use in the book. Yes. Those are, that's the Llewellyn classic tarot. And it's kind of their riff on the Rider Waite Smith. So. Got it. I should have known that, but let me just, uh, yeah. I'm yeah. the archetype person, but it, they, they kept with a lobster in the moon card. I yeah. get a little, I get, I don't know. I get disappointed when I see a moon card that doesn't have the lobster. You got to have that freaky deaky lobster, man. Exactly. It's, it's important exactly. because it's not supposed to be out of the water. It's not supposed to be that close to the dog and the wolf. It's the whole, I mean, and you see a towers in the background, that whole card is a whole, what the fuck kind of moment. Mm-hmm. And so when it, I've had it come up in readings where 
um, people were like, am I going to lose my job? And I'm like, absolutely. You are absolutely going to lose your job because they kind of have a feeling that something is coming and putting words to that feeling. Well, you think you're crazy, right? You think you're paranoid. Um, but this, this is the card that tells you, no, you're right. Or it can tell you, yeah, you do have some mental health issues and you need to go get those taken care of. You know, your brain is picking on you, go fix it. But it's all up in your head and it's all in your emotions. It's a very squishy card, I found. It is. And Sundara uh, <laughs> and I just put out our first patron-only podcast, which I think I'm going to release part of it later on, um, maybe after this episode with you. But we talked about the eclipse and how it just doesn't feel like it was a one one event, but it's kind of like carrying over. There's continued effects. Yeah. And we talked about the moon card because there's so much of that. What the fuck? Like it just, yeah. things just keep getting nuttier and the, the towers, you know, the crazy fucking lobster, I like to call him. <laughs> this is just more of that. Like there isn't a lot of bright light right now. It doesn't feel like yeah. it. Yeah. I think that, because I have this client who I adore, Seth, and um, he he's political and in kind of not in politics, but adjacent to. And he was like, what's going on with Trump? And I'm like, he's going to have a really bad August. And that's when a bunch of stuff came out about him and Russia and blah, blah, blah. And then later he's like, what else is going to happen? And I just, I, all I can see is just like gray. Like things are going to get pretty bad before he's gone. But the good thing about, you know, being alive and having a voice is that we can use it and have little patches of color that we create, you know, in the path of all this gray. Because I think that here we are talking politics. Sorry about that. Uh, but oh, I think that yeah. uh, he I came along for a reason. I think that he came along to kind of expose those sneaky racists that weren't talking out loud and the sneaky homophobes who, who weren't really saying much. And now they're all emboldened and, and we know who they are and we can see their faces. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who, who likes to treat people like things is now emboldened. And now we have a clear picture of who they are. Now we know what to do. You know, now we know who to stand up to. And, uh, and I think that it's, it's very painful and, and very scary um, for particularly people who are marginalized by the administration. Um, but I think it's really an important time to say, I got you. I, I will stand up for you if you're queer, if you're a person of color, if you're a woman, if you're you know, illegal, if you're a dreamer, if whatever, I got you. I'll stand for you. So I think that that's the, the purpose for all of this mess. It's big. It's, it's going to last a little while, so we have to be tough. It's huge. Um, yeah, no, no doubt about it. And I, I agree. I think it's like there have been festering wounds we didn't realize were there. It's in some of the teachings that I've had from my teachers, of like, you know, extending compassion. There are certain times that we're like, well, I, I just can't at this. And like, yeah. I have to go back and realize, okay, on paper, mm-hmm. <laughs> can I go back to the unemotional sort of like, that person hates a bunch of other people. They've got hate in their heart. Right. No compassion for somebody who has so much hate in their heart. Yeah. That, that must be miserable. But that doesn't forgive or excuse or make way for their acting. But on, I think you can on. have compassion without, you know, sharing the hatred. I there's right. a we I live in kind of a small town and there's a Confederate flag flying on Main Street. And ever since my kids were little, I have said that person does not care about other people's feelings. Mm. regardless is if they're your Southern pride, we're not in the South, we're in fucking Missouri, get over it. Um, or whatever to fly that flag, particularly with all of the things that are attached to it now after this year 
that shows a disregard for someone else's feelings. And my kids are like, oh, you know, they're not hate. They don't, they don't hate it. And they're not angry. They're just kind of sad that that's, that that happens. And I think that that's a kind and compassionate direction to go, you know, particularly for kids. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine trying to have to explain to kids what, what's, uh, yeah, that one. Yeah. Bless you. I I know who well, you should have heard what I was saying in my head. <laughs> I can't hear that. You're like so. Filter, filter. Have to have the mom. Exactly. Filter. Exactly. Well, there is. I mean, the the tarot as a journey and as stories, right? I think there's definitely something. There's there's still a tool, and mm-hmm. the fairy tales and. Um, I'm a big fan of movies and superhero movies. And, and the first couple of years of this podcast was using the major arcana as a um, kind of an analog to um, the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell mm-hmm. talked about. Um, but to me included a lot more feminine, a lot more sort of real things in life. It wasn't just about a single hero, right. although you, you put yourself in the place of the fool as kind of a hero through it. But the, uh, the idea that you go up against dragons or the, you know, the symbol of the dragon or whatever, the, the stories that are in the tarot and that we see in fairy tales and films, like that's something I, I feel a little frustrated with people who can't take that story and pull it into their own life and realize that what they're facing now mm-hmm. with the difficulties, those are the dragons, right? right. Those are the big bad guy. Right, um, exactly. Or I saw something... Um, I think it was Neil Gaiman, maybe. He's one of my favorite authors. But I Me think too. he said something like, the reason we wear, read fairy tales is not to see uh, that there are dragons, but that dragons can be defeated. Yeah, that's, that's the key. And I think that that's the key of the fool's journey because he gets, you know, he wanders along, he has ups, he has down, he gets run over in the tower, he clears his eyes in the star, you know, he goes through death itself. And at the end, he's like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it again. You know, and it's that kind of, um, I, if I got through this and I can get through that mentality that I think is really empowering, um, particularly for folks who are, who are marginalized. And like we were, we were discussing earlier, you know, like the, the weird kids, right? Um, I don't know a terror reader who wasn't a weird kid. Yeah. Um, like to a person. And I think it's that feeling of feeling ostracized or feeling other that gives us kind of a, an openness to, walk that journey to, to look past the tower, to struggle through the death card to whatever. And I think it's that because we've done it, you know, we've, we've already, I was telling my kids, I was like, you know, in sophomore year, I went out, um, I asked a a senior who'd already graduated, so he was graduated senior to the dance with me. And he said, yes. And I was like geeking because I had the biggest crush on him. The only reason he came with me was to see his friends that were still in school. And he ignored me all night. He wouldn't take a picture with me. Broke my little 15-year-old heart. And my kids were like, oh, my God, do you want to find him now? And I'm like, no, because he taught me I was stronger than he was. And it just kind of resonated, like, because I called my dad, and we went and got ice cream, and we had, I just left. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here crying in the bathroom all night. I went and got ice cream with my dad. And, and I said, I learned that people who don't treat me well don't deserve my company. And as I'm saying it, I realized that he really did teach me that. (laughs) Like, this isn't just shit I'm telling my kids. And they said, what would you do if you saw him right now? And I was like, honestly, he's not a part of my story anymore. He was just the messenger of something I needed to learn. 
So he doesn't, he doesn't really matter to me. I hope he's happy and well, and you know, the fuck over there because we're not going to be BFFs, <laughs> but I, I don't have any hard feelings toward him because that was a really awful, terrible, hard lesson. And I didn't have to repeat it, you know? So yeah, I think that going through stuff like that is, is very similar to, to the full journey. We, we are the hero in our own story, but if we, if we have the right perspective. Yeah. And I got deep, didn't it? Shit. Oh, no. It's, hey, <laughs> girl, that happens on this show. Right on. Symbolism and Jung and Jungian psychology, but like the, um, I think something that I know I'll bring up quite frequently because I just, I don't hear it enough kind of in my own sort of cultural world is mm-hmm. that um, a little bit like the, when the movie, um, oh, now I can't remember the Pixar movie about emotions. Oh, um, oh, I know that. I can't think of the name, but it's really, really good. I'm, I'm having a senior moment. I will With look it up. joy and sadness. Yes. And, yeah. So I, I look at the world card to weave a tarot card in here. And I, you know, to me, it's the all included, right? It is like right. leveled up. You've yeah. gone through all this stuff. But it's the fact that all of it's included. That guy who yeah. broke your heart when you were 15, you wouldn't sit and go, well, I need that to happen because it fucking hurt. But right it was necessary. So you get, you, you, there's a path of what I call sort of like, it's a path of evolution where yeah. you're not just like making up for bad shit that's happened or just trying to have happy things happen. It just starts to get bigger and it includes more. Yeah, absolutely. And being, being an outsider in a lot of ways, I think that's kind of the archetype that comes up for me when you're describing, you know, like being the weird kid who didn't, who spent time away from people, didn't want to hang out, you know, because like, you know, you need, you need like your camaraderie, but at the same time that that path is the outsider. Right. You're you're not that as a single archetype, but that's really, really powerful because it does, it, it does give you access to things, nobody else. Yeah. And I think the fool is, is very much a part of that outsiderness because he just wanders into scenes, you know, if you watch his journey and um, sometimes he's not welcome. You know, sometimes he, he's off stage in observing. Sometimes he's, he gets his ass kicked. You know what I mean? It's like he, he's wandering into each scene of the major arcana and in doing so learns something and takes it with him. And I think his bag just gets heavier and heavier as he walks along, you know? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, the foolish fool. The level, yeah. I, I like to think of the fool sometimes as like a, it's naive, but at the same time, there's like a, well, shit, here I am. You know, there's, there's right. like a really earthy kind of acceptance. And of fearlessness. Like, yeah. Really. Like well, if he could jump and fall, you know, go off a cliff and fall three feet or 30 feet. And his stupid little dog is like, yeah, you should totally do it. It's a great idea. Um, <laughs> and, and he does it. And, and if he doesn't move, he's stuck. You know, what, what does it stand still? He's not going backwards. And I saw this one deck that he was falling off a cliff. And I was like, no. It, it has to be a deliberate choice to move forward it has to be a deliberate choice that right here is not good enough right now. And that there's something, Oh, I don't know what it is. It might suck, but it's not this. That's where I need to go. You know, I think on our, it was our very first podcast. We talked about the fool and the relationship to Wiley Coyote yes. Coyote and the road runner. Cause he's really more the road runner, right? Cause he'll go out there, be, be, brrr, we're up here, yeah. Wiley Coyote that goes, ah, and then I just realized what happened, and 
yikes you know it was so funny oh. that you just said that because i'm doing this um article from my blog that my husband recommended and he's like i want you to match all of the major arcana to looney tune characters oh bring it girl so i really i'm right in the middle of it so i it's a new feature on my website called um pop goes with the tarot because i love pop culture and i yes. love tying it to cards so <laughs> i've already done it for game of thrones and um and i'm gonna do it for looney tunes and like um uh, i'm a gigantic nerd so harry potter is gonna happen and uh battlestar galactica so like <laughs> Bring the nerdage. I'm excited. Yeah, the nerd is coming. But it's so funny that you said that because I was like, who would the magician be in Looney Tunes? Because um, I think the magician for sure would be Bugs Bunny. Um, but uh -huh. I hadn't thought of the fool yet. And when you said Wiley Coyote or the Roadrunner, I was like, ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. <laughs> I can finish this blog now. <laughs> hey, happy to help. Hey, That's thanks. I'll give you a credit <laughs> at the bottom. Go ahead. Link link to our page site. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's something that we tried to do with all the major arcana is movies, characters, yeah. cartoons, situations. And it just makes it so much more accessible, you know? Because I had somebody sent me a letter about the book, which is really sweet. I get emails sometimes. And she was like, the minute you compared the Emperor to Cartman from South Park, I was like, fuck yeah. So <laughs> My authority. <laughs> Respect my authority. Exactly. That's the emperor. Once you know that, once you know that that's who it is, you can you can read Benabel's gigantic ass book, you know, Holistic Tarot, because that's got all the history and the background that you need, um, or any number of a thousand other books. But you have to have that first connection to the card. You have to know this is a Cartman dressed as a cop, and he's kind of an asshole. And but that asshole is really important when when the time comes to say yes or no to make decisions whatever and boundaries um, but, yeah but once you have that connection you can go oh well you got the emperor in this card which tells me that you're um kind of running over your team right now and maybe you need to be more collaborative so it's as soon as you as soon as you can put a face you know a face that makes sense to you to the card then you can read every other tarot book ever and and layer your your wisdom regarding that card. So that's kind of what the point of the book was, was just to make it easy to learn the card so that then you can visit Miss Eden Gray's book that confounded me for a decade um, or whichever other books you need. So <clears throat> it's super handy for not only, I mean, I was looking for give me more. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned the, the blog because I'm like, I need more of the pop culture references. Because I'm kind of I a big you up, that way. Oh, I know. Because <laughs> I was like, we could fall into that one. I mean, we've got like Star Wars in here. I mean, they're, yeah. they're archetypes, so they're everywhere. Um, yeah. But the conciseness and the, the kind of easy to read language, you can go get more elsewhere, like you said. But like this kind of gives you, this gives you the thing that you need right now, and it's it's regular language. You don't have to, you know. You can use your own intuition to realize what piece. I think that's my approach to the tarot or any kind of cards is you're going right. to ping. You're going to read something and something will ping and it will right. be either good well, or ooh, ah, maybe, you know. Well, like the Hierophant card, I did not get that goddamn card for like 15 years. It made no sense to me. And then I read a book by my hero, Rachel Pollock. And she was like, oh, he's the trickster god. He takes messages from the gods and hands them to people in ways that they can understand. And it was, I fucking heard angels singing. 
you know, I've been struggling with this damn card for so long. And every time it came up, I was like, "Ugh, you again with your big stupid hat. What do you want? You know? And it was just find it and find the, make the information accessible, find the key to, to what you're looking for. It's all about the keys. And so when I was teaching my son who he was nine and I, I was like, what is the hierophant card? And he goes, Oh, he, he has a big dumb hat, but he earned it. He studied a lot and you have to get the keys that, that are at his feet and then you can unlock and know what he knows. And I was like, where the hell were you 15 years ago? Thanks a lot, kid. Um, yeah, well, he's, I always thought of him as a bit of a, he was a magician as well. Yeah. But a magician with, you know, some, um, like really heavy old school library shit happening. Oh yeah. He's Samuel Tarly for sure. From yeah. Game of Thrones. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I love Samuel. I love, who doesn't love Samuel? He's amazing. Well, his he needs to be listened to his wife a little better, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's moments where pretty much every every woman and or feminist was like, ah, 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 ah. Uh, did you just tell her to zip it, Sam? Get yeah. back there and apologize. Pretty yeah, much, pretty much your sweet guy, but there's a moment. <laughs> No. Well, I, I nerded out on the last with uh, Weston of Root Lock Tarot, who was our last guest. We kind of nerded out on Game of Thrones, but he'd only nice. read the books. And I was like, okay, all right, okay. There's, there's a <laughs> nerd out, spoiler alert. Yeah. But, They're so good. They're so um, good. Yeah. And it's a, it's a mythology and it, yeah. it, it's, I think, and again, maybe it's just me, but there's this like, there's stories, but they're also metaphors, but they're also, yeah. we can learn. And the, it's, it's a sword. We, we looked at the suit of swords and it's a sword kind of show. I mean, it, yeah. it's so much about power um, and just cutting each other, you know, it's cut, yeah. cut, cut, you know, that of our, of our times. I'm like, what, what's, how are we turning the page? What's on the next page? Right. That, that to me, those stories and things like Battle of the Sexes, which is a new film um, about Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs, I pay attention to the culture. Like, what is starting to bubble up mm -hmm. for us now? And what are we? Yeah. And I, I, the tower's still happening in my. Oh yeah. In my view, it is like a long <laughs> shaking of of things on the tower with the moon. Um, what what other symbols from the tarot or cards? Because those two, the moon especially, I think strength is being called upon. Yeah. Um, but more than that, the chariot for some of these ideas. But what sure. else is coming up for you? I really feel like the six of swords is important right now because it's about finding safe harbor. Mm. Um, and I feel very strongly that um, this is a time for allies uh, to, to become safe harbor and to use their voices and their, their privilege and position to protect people who are disenfranchised. And the six, the six of swords to me, you know, we often forget those are swords. He's not just leaving empty handed and protecting his family. He could reach, reach up and grab one of those and knock the shit out of somebody if he needs to. Um, but I think that these attacks that keep coming and coming and coming on the disenfranchised are, are like a clarion call for allies to stand up and do something. Don't just thoughts and prayers it. You know what I mean? Don't just sit at home and go, oh, well, that's a shame. Because it doesn't fucking help anybody. You know, get off your ass and actually do something. Donate money if you can't be there. You know, donate your time if you can. But I think it's, it's, it's we're all in this boat together. And I think that seeing people from our community getting attacked one by one, 
is bringing people closer together. And so the six of swords for sure is, is prevalent. Like I could see it, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I agree. Um, I just keep feeling like it gets like how much worse I, <clears throat> I visited the, um, I was in DC for two months visiting family and I visited for the first time ever the uh, United States Holocaust. Ah, jeez. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Right in the um, spleen. I've been avoiding it for years. I have family in DC and I go back there pretty frequently, but that was one that I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Every day I was going to go, I'm like, no, I'm not in the mood for it. But I did. I went, I bawled like a baby. Like I just had nothing but tears running down my face and that the six of swords kind of feeling that, that like I wanted to have an, I wanted to feel like someone is, you know, people are connected and they're going to be guided through this and that we're in it together. And I'm in the middle of this really crowded room because they put you in an elevator. They hand you someone's passport, like somebody who died, you know, that's got their picture and who they were. And so, yeah, no, they know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. You get in this like elevator and I'm, I'm in this room and you're walking through all the exhibits and it's talking about the early days in the 1930s and how it happened. And this, this relates to that you know, like how shit goes bad, like how things are really bad. And I'm making as much as effort to read things and look at them, but I am just crying. Yeah. Sobbing. I'm not like wailing or pulling my shirt, but I'm just quietly having my heart like torn out of my chest. And I'm looking around for people who, who, who else is crying? Someone else is crying. Like who else is losing their shit right now? And I, there was a boy scout troop and there was a troop leader and I'd kind of gone off to the corner because I'm just like, pull it together, lady, pull it together. Right. And he's crying too. And we're both kind of standing there with kind of our hands on our mouths, kind of going, mm-hmm, all right. And we had like a, okay, you're crying too. That like, this needs to hurt. Like this is yeah. to hurt. Like why isn't everyone around here crying? Because this is, people did this to people. And yeah. I, you know, I may I practically ran. I did the whole thing, but I wanted to run and, they really need to have a bar at the end when you get out, right. you go to the room where you light the candles. There should be a place where you can get vodka. That's yeah. all I'm saying. But that, I immediately saw the relationship of how we do or don't stand up for other people yeah. we do or don't take a stand and how people think, well, it could never happen again. And I'm like, I like that you say that. I want to agree with you. Very idealistic. But, but, but people in the 30s and 40s said that too. So exactly how are we different? Um, Discuss. And how do we not let that shit happen again? And we already are because it's not in the extreme level, but there's pavement there. There's pavement for for things like that to happen. There are idiots Um, with tiki torches marching in the streets for Christ's sakes. I mean, it's like, and I'll tell you, just in case you ever do that to yourself again, I, I did go to the Museum of Tolerance in Los Angeles, which I was... I was hysterically crying. I was not as cool as you. I had to leave. And then I followed it up with a trip to the Getty, uh, which is this beautiful art museum overlooking Mm -hmm. the hills of Los Angeles. And it was the most stunningly beautiful place I've ever seen. And so I think that the solution to having your heart stomped on, which I think we all really need, we do, we need to know how bad it can be, is to go to the most beautiful place in the world right afterwards. And there was wine there. So, um, <laughs> but it was, it, it was such an important contrast because I needed to see that stack of shoes that was 30 feet high. Yeah. You know, I needed to see that. And my family's Polish, you know, this is not, 
this is not new to me, but I needed to see the little things, the stack of eyeglasses, you know, it was important for me to see. And then I needed to go see something beautiful so that I could remember what the point is. Yeah. You have to have that balance. You have to have something that, that makes you know that it's going to be okay. And, you know, I live in St. Louis. It's been a rough couple of months for us, years. Yeah. It's been a rough couple of years yeah. for us. And I'll tell you, the thing that really helps me deal with what's going on in my city right now are the amount of people who are handing out water, who are uh, the, the shop owners that are, that are having people in and giving them water for free. And, you know, the, uh, the synagogue that opened its doors to take in people who are getting kettled um, and uh, caught up in, in what got pretty scary for a while. And they just opened their doors and said, you're safe here. You know, that's, that's the key. That's, that's what you have to focus on is that there are always helpers, right? And, you know, the, the six of swords has been through it already. You can tell, but they're on their way to someplace better. And I think that all of us are collectively on our way to someplace better. It's just going to suck for a while until we get there. Right. Yeah. You make an excellent point. And I, um, after leaving the museum, I just had to go sit in the grass and like lean up against a yeah. tree. And I did record like a, a two minute thing for my friends on Facebook of how important it is to remember but i i need i think i needed more beauty that my unfortunately i think i was so caught up in it that that it, it literally took me two months until i was back home on maui to, yeah. to oh oh right this this is beautiful because this is yeah energetically the, to me anyway the dc area is very up in its head right it is a very sort of swordsy uh pentacly kind of air bleh, that it, it I got caught up in it myself. I think I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit emo, but coming uh, what? Back, a little bit, a little bit coming back <laughs> home to Hawaii, which, you know, hopefully some people don't realize is a state um, <laughs> and coming back to the, the value of Aloha and Aloha actually, I mean, it means love, but it's, it's many things. And mm -hmm. after Las Vegas, after that happened, there, you know, they were already weaving a lay out of tea leaves that was going to be a mile long for, for the cancer survivors, this thing that's happening this weekend. But immediately they were like, okay, we're doing another lay. It'll be another mile long one and we're going to take it to Las Vegas. Not, I mean, it was, it, I could say what it was, but they're literally from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. for the next week, everybody can show up and help make it. And it, it's the symbol, it's, but it's everyone is there together they're processing together or they're just listening to music and talking you know here we we it's called talk story because you tell your story i tell you know i listen to yeah. you you make friends and that symbolism of taking the plant and weaving it into this beautiful green lay that people will then take to them that to me was like here's how we can be good to each other right now right even if we weren't maybe we didn't have friends there but like Las Vegas is called the Ninth Island because so many people from Hawaii go to Las Vegas. There's okay daily, and so even they took one to Paris, they took one to Orlando. But that idea of we have to be together in a community. Don't go yeah. off into your corner. We can feel bad together. We can feel happy together. Right, because we need you. Right, yeah. in whatever small way that you make the world better, we need that. We can't have people disappearing because we need them. And I always think about, you know, uh, and this, this is going to sound like I'm going up my own ass, but you'll have to give, 
So I did, I did a reading for this woman like five years ago and uh, she had health problems and wasn't addressing them. And then she came back four years ago and sat down with the same question. And I was like, fuck you, you don't get a reading. You didn't listen to me. Right. <laughs> and I, I actually told her, if you don't get this stuff fixed, you're going to die. You're going to die young and your daughter's going to grow up without you. So I don't want your money. I want you to listen to me and go see your doctor. And then I didn't see her for two years. And I was like, well, so she came back to see me again. I think it was last year or the year before. She'd lost like 80 pounds, quit smoking. She, her doctor told her, if you hadn't come to see me when you did, you would have had a heart attack that month. You would have died, right? And I think about that because when I gave the, the first reading, I was like, oh, bless her heart. And the second reading, I was like, man, get the fuck up. I, I'm not Oprah and I'm not your mother. And if you don't want to listen to me, you don't, you don't need to be here. I don't want to, I don't want to see you. I don't want to watch you die. Go away. And I thought, man, I was such an asshole to her. But she said, she said, you're such a loving asshole. Like you wanted me to be okay. You wanted my kid to be okay. And I did, I wasn't doing what I needed to do. And you lost your temper with me, which is what we do when we love somebody. And mm -hmm. I thought that that was like, because it, it helped me feel better first of all, because <laughs> generally I don't tell people to fuck off to get on my chair. But it, it made me feel like, you know, I'm really good at getting to the point. That's what, that's my special skill. I'm really good at saying, hey, here's where you're screwing up and here's what you need to fix. And I did it so vehemently that, that she saved her own life, you know? And so I think that's just a little gift. That's not, you know, not a lot of people get tarot readings. Not a lot of people like to be yelled at and give money for it. <laughs> but for that woman on that day, it mattered a great deal. And so I always think about that when people are like, I can't do anything. I'm like, you have a skill, you have a gift. There's something in you that makes the world better. And mine happens to be yelling at people <laughs> and making them take care of themselves. And so whatever your little thing is, whatever your little gift is, that's, that's what you were given to make the world a better place. So don't hide it. You know, you have to celebrate it and bring it out into the sunlight because we all need it. You know? Yeah. I, and I, that goes, I think I might've, this has been my sense for a, a long time and I'm not the only one. Um, I don't coin this one, but everybody who's here right now is important. Like mm -hmm. they've, they've got a thing to put down and as much as it's difficult and confusing, um, I think everyone, not that they wouldn't be elsewise, but I just, this very, really, really strong feeling that like, yeah, we're all here. We all have a piece of this. Yeah. And it might not be this gigantic piece, you know, we're not all George Clooney or whatever, but it's important and to, to you know, continue to uncover that and, and let you know, the relationships that we have with other people can, they always have a clue for us. And yeah. even if it's just a relationship going to your, going to get a tarot reading with you and getting that reaction, like I, I don't get the sense that you do that for everybody, but you no, are. not everybody. No, <laughs> no, not that's everybody. Dominatrix. That's safe for people who piss me off. <laughs> well, she <laughs> did understand that it was, it was a strong enough feeling that it did. It was that, that the Buddhist color, the grandmotherly kindness, where it was a smack upside the head. Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, we have different tools for different things and that was necessary. And the stuff that's happening in our lives right now, I do see even some of the day-to-day -day stuff. It's like, oh, how is this pointing me in a direction? How is this right. call to action? Or, you know, am I just like kind of being anxious about this? Um, it's all that's yeah I was kind of go back to like it's all included the difficult stuff the sad stuff and accepting 
things like I, I see the flaws. Like he doesn't have trouble accepting. He's no, not, not at all. denial at all. So re kind of repointing that I think can I think be useful in, in yeah. times specifically because this shit's not normal. I keep yeah. saying that every day. Not normal. Still not normal. Yeah, but Still I think we're gonna course correct though. <laughs> I think. Um, I, I, I feel that we're going to course correct. And I think it's going to be like my kids generation and the generation before them that are really going to go. Yeah. You guys are idiots. We're going to fix this shit for you. Um, because we're, I'm 42, right? So, so my generation is already have a hand in the, the fuckery that's going on, but my kids are like 12 and 13 and the ones before them who are in their twenties and thirties, I think that, that that's where the change is coming in because they're already not having our bullshit. There are <laughs> generationally, they're like, yeah, we're not going to buy a house. It's crazy. What's wrong with you people? Um, and uh, I think that that kind of turning the, the norm on its head is is what's coming. And I, I'm going to get some popcorn and watch. I think it's going to be great. So, yeah. I'm I, I agree. I think the generations have a lot to learn from each other. I do. And I, I specifically am thinking of Gen X, which is you and I. And the millennials and then the Z generation, which is kind of your kids. But we all have, there's, there's pieces that each generation has mm-hmm. and that things that we're super comfortable with, like at Gen X, we're individuals, right? For better, or for worse, we can hang and do our own thing. Right. The hive thing is bizarre for us. Like the, the hive mind of, of everybody having to be constantly connected. I mean, but, but there's something yeah. in that. So if we can go, okay, you can be an individual too. Like you don't need everyone's approval. You don't need Snapchat, like to tell you everything's going to be okay. Like here's a little inner strength, but like we need to learn a little bit more of how we cooperate and have kind of the hive thing. And, um, you know, like uh, the whole idea of adulting to most Gen X people, like, oh, really? Really? Adulting. Great. (laughs) The fact that we made that a word. I know. It's a verb. (laughs) It's not a word, it's a verb, but uh, yeah, my, my take, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I brought that up just to be like, gratitude, gratitude is the answer to adulting. You there can be grateful, is. you don't worry about adulting. And I get to pay this bill. I have a job that allows me to pay this bill and I have a roof over my head. And you know, I, I can go down the list of, of thank yous. And you know, I learned from my grandfather, I learned a work ethic. You know, he said, um, if a man pays you for eight hours a day and you don't work for eight hours, you're a thief. That was it. That's how I learned my work ethic. And for my dad, I learned dedication because he was a police officer for 35, 37 years, right? And uh, he, a good police officer and a fair man and a good man. And um, for my kids, I learned that they, they literally just need a spot to grow and they're going to take off. They, they're like, Zoe, my daughter, she's like, um, I'm either going to be an artist or an architect or a musician. And she's so absolutely certain that that's going to happen. I'm like, be all three you know, and it's that kind of idealism. And then my little guy who said, well, if he builds that wall, mom, I'm going to tear it down. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was, he was like think 11 when he said that. And he was absolutely confident. And he's like, yeah, we'll tear it down. Don't even, don't be upset. Don't be sad. Cause I got you. I'm, I'm an activist and a demolitions expert. And my right, exactly. she's going to help make sure this all works. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, I mean, I, I'm not afraid for the future, but I think that that this period that we're in is going to get really rough. Um, but I think it's important, important in the growth. It matters. This, this struggle in trying to find each other uh, and trying to find connectivity um, is super important. 
And I don't know that I would be as involved if my friends and neighbors weren't suffering. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like it would be very easy to say, not my problem yeah. and ignore it. But these are, these are people I love. This is my home. You know, it's St. Louis is, is very hot right now for lots of reasons. And I don't know that I would be as politically active if I didn't live here and I wasn't so connected to the community. And I think it's really, really important. So if, if you look at the grand scope of things, it's lighting up all over the place. Everybody is going to have somebody who feels threatened in their life. So everybody is going to become complicit in making it better. So there's my Miss Cleo forecast. Yeah. For <laughs> Don't make me take it at your young man. Oh. <laughs> Call me now for your free psychic reading. God, I love that woman. She was fascinated with, I, was, I watched her infomercial constantly. It's definitely part of my childhood, but I know well, that took a left, didn't it? No, I just <laughs> to Miss Cleo. And that that sass, you know, that she brought to the readings, I I emulated that as much as I could when I first started reading for friends. I was like, no, no, that's not right. You're not telling me the truth. And I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't been memorizing her infomercials. <laughs> oh so- my god, <laughs> I have. Well, you were, so you, do you read full time? Not yet. Okay. Um, I have a, I have a muggle job during the day and I actually am very lucky and then I get to work from home doing mm. something that I enjoy. So I work, you know, I put in my 40 at my muggle job and then I do readings at night and on the weekends. And sometimes it gets pretty hairy, but I try to be, try to remain grateful. Um, because someday I will, you know, I, this is my first book and my second book is almost over. And the more marginally famous I become, the more readings I will give. And, and then I'll transition someday into reading full time. Nice. So, yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, I have, I, I know people who read and they just do it only part of the time because they can't, they don't really want to do it full time. It's just yeah. not, it's not something they're like, you know, I did it for like a month and I didn't enjoy it because I'd rather mm-hmm. have energy moved somewhere else. And then yeah. that space well, for reading. I'll tell you, the month after the book came out, I doubled my reading sales in that month, which everybody's like, yay, haha. And I also had four panic attacks and I couldn't sleep and I was exhausted. Yeah. So um, there has to be a a great deal of balance to that, you know. Um, And my friend Sarah Benincasa wrote this great book called Real Artists Have Day Jobs because she has a day job and she has like five books out, you know. And, uh, and she's, she's really wise. And one of the things that she said is like, if you're not ready to be, you know, an artist full time, then don't fucking don't <laughs> make sure your bills get paid and you have insurance. That's important. You know, the starving artist thing is just an idea. It's not, um, necessary. You don't have to be suffering to create. And, um, and I think that's true. So I have a, I have a day job that, that we have insurance. I get paid well and I can pay my bills because AT&T doesn't talk, take good vibes. <laughs> I found, um, terrible. and that's, yeah. you know, I do have friends like Teresa Reed. She reads uh, full time. She has, um, a yoga studio as well, but I think most of her businesses is her tarot readings. And I have a friend Donna in Chicago who reads full time and, um, and they're making it work. Um, but I've got two young kids at home and I actually like to spend time with them at night, you know? What? And so if I know they're really neat, but if I were doing readings all night after having worked all day, I wouldn't get to see my kids. So I'm, I am perfectly content with being a part-time psychic, you know, works out well for me. 
Yeah. And as, as they get bigger, I can see expanding it to full time, but you know, they're not and they're super fun right now. So yeah. it's, you have to balance that, that life and home and work thing all the time because it shifts all the time. It does. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I think it's, it's an idea I want to see go away that like, you're not really legitimate in anything unless you've, you know, you're doing a full time or you're meeting a certain set of criteria. To me, that's very patriarchal in a way. And because bullshit. It's like, yeah, exactly. And it's not everyone's going to be happy doing all of this. What it, the picture doesn't look like this. It can I, be, yeah. it can be, it can so be whatever it wants. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're happy. I think that's the key. Like I had, um, talk about patriarchal. <laughs> I had a guy like read my book and email me and, and uh, he said he would be happy to sit down and tell me how to read cards. Uh, huh? the best way. And I was like, bitch, you just fucking read my book. And then mansplained to me how to, how to read tarot And my book is about reading tarot. Fuck you. And, but I was just like the, the fact that I got it and that he thought it was okay. was alarming. But he said in the email, um, I, I don't think you do this full time and here's why. And I'm like, bitch, you don't know me. You don't roll up on my website and try to fucking tell me that I, I know why you're making this choice and you're not doing it right. And that's why, no, no, you don't know me. Go sit down, you know? And, but I think that arrogance that comes with trying to, this is what a tarot reader looks like. I had someone, like, I cut my hair off because I donate it every two years. I grow it out, and then I donate it. And uh, I had somebody say that I looked more authentic with long hair, and I wrote them back and told them to go fuck themselves. So, <laughs> Do not mess with like, Do not you don't, mess. You don't get to tell me what I'm supposed to look like. You don't get to decide that long-haired Melissa looks more psychic than short. Fuck off. Go get a reading from somebody else. I don't care. But it's, it's that it's just bullshit is is what it is <laughs> don't let anybody tell you no you need to tell me who i am go away go sit down yeah <laughs> like wow. babysitting and not getting paid ah. oh my gosh down to earth advice on all <laughs> hero and more <laughs> we yeah we're just absolutely not shy <laughs> No, no, this has been yeah. so much fun. And I, I've saved up what I is like to me is my most juiciest question, but like oh, running we're getting it. we're getting towards the end of, of the end of time, the end of our uh, recording time here. But on a podcast recently this year, we asked a philosopher who has written a um kind of a new not really a theory of everything, but like a, a way of looking at taking the, the scientific view and the spiritual view basically asking each to drop one component to be able to come together in a theory. And he had studied the tarot when he was younger. And since he's written this big philosophical kind of book, he calls the soul story. We said, so how does the tarot work? How do things, not just specifically the tarot, but how, how can it be so uncanny? How can the synchronicity, how does that work? And he had a very interesting answer. So I was like, I am going to ask our guests, how's the tarot work? Oh, man. Okay. I know. So, big question. I, I think, uh, okay. So my family uh, is Native American on one side, Seneca, and is um, like Polish kind of Romani on the other side. And one of my ancestors was actually the last one we killed in the Polish witch hunts. So both of those traditions lend themselves 
to oral traditions and to being believed when you say I had this dream, right? Mm -hmm. So my family, my family has been, always been very encouraging of the gift. Like they're, we believe you. What did you dream about? That kind of thing. And they all have stories about how it saved their lives. So I think for me, it's kind of like, um, you know, the families that are all doctors or all lawyers or whatever. My family is all psychic. I'm the, I'm the first one to pull some cards out, you know, and do a thing about it. But my grandmother, I think, I think I saw her and my aunt reading play cards one time mm -hmm. um, when I was very little. And, um, and it's just always been a part of my family. So I think that there are three, three ways that the tarot card works. That was kind of a put a long tail on the kite, but I'm getting to it. Um, I think that you can read the cards uh, uh, just archetypally, you know, and it's part of that collective unconscious where you see the tower and you know some bad shit's going down, right? So I think it's part of that collective unconscious archetypal resonance deal. So that's one way. Um, you can read the cards psychically where for some reason your mind is picking up stuff that your body has no idea how you got the information and you just connect in that way. Or you can read the cards intuitively where something in your senses and, and maybe even a sixth sense um, picks up on information that you're not processing through the cerebral, you know, through your brain. It's not happening. So I think there are three ways that you can reach. And I do all three. If I don't feel good, I'm like, here's the tower. Shit's getting bad. <laughs> if I, if I'm like tuned in, I'm like, Oh my God, this is about your relationship. What aren't you doing? And if um, I, and I have had clients walk up where I'm like, I had a dream last night. You're cheating on your husband. What gives? And they're like, holy shit. How the fuck did you know that? That's how our reading starts. Mm. Right? And then I go to the cards. So I pick up information in all three of ways. I've had readings from people who do all three. They're all three valid. You know, and Mary mm. Kay Greer is actually the one who, who put words to what I was observing, that there are very different ways that are all valid to read the cards. And so I think that it depends on how you read explains why they work hmm. huh see yeah. i put some thought into this um <laughs> but i, I didn't even I let think, you know i had that question so i know you I threw that at you like a ninja, like a ninja. <laughs> so um but that's that's what i think it is i think there are lots and lots of ways um to access the cards and and they work because we believe that they're going to work same reason that prayers work or that you know, good thoughts work or lighting a candle works. You're putting your intent into something and intent matters. And if I decide that these cards are going to tell me what's going on with the person across the table, then they're going to do that. That's why I make up my spreads on the fly. I'm like this, these cards in these positions mean this. Because yeah. I've decided I'm the one who's important, not the cards. Not yeah. The what is that? The Celtic cross. Celtic cross. It's not, if you, if you forget to put a card in the last row, it doesn't invalidate your entire reading. You just made up a new reading, figure out what that card means and just read it. Yeah. You know? There's, there's a line between um, tradition and superstition, I think. Yeah. And I think practice in, is important. In those things. Yeah. I use the Celtic cross. Celtic, Celtic, whatever. I use it for years and years and years. And then I decided to read it sideways and it works better for me. And then I yeah. just started making stuff up because I think having a prescribed meaning for a prescribed position helps you learn what those cards mean in relationship to each other. So I do think they're important, but they're not the end all be all. You know, there is no right way to read tarot cards. There is your way. Whatever works for you is your right way to do it. And if it doesn't work for you, don't fucking do it because it's right. stupid, right? So... I've never, ever slept with a tarot card under my pillow. Never. 
Because I think it's gross and I will fuck up my cards that way and I'm not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so last bit of it. You don't don't sleep with the deck under under your pillow. No, you really don't. You're going to drool on it and it'll get all exactly bent. (laughs) We won't talk about the dog that's sitting in front of you right now. Oh, Lucy. She's really, really important to this interview. (laughs) Our little rescue dog. Well, I, I have to say that was, I liked, I liked that. I liked the answer, not simply because I agree with it, but it's, you know, my working theory is that, and I'm not the only one that information isn't inert and it's not yeah. just it's it's information's information so it's 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 not an energy we don't have another word for it you know it's it's out there and the, we are all have the ability to be a conduit yeah absolutely clean, clean or a dirty conduit you're going to get you know the the results that we yeah stepping back strictly from being rational i think is very important for us right now because what's happening is not super that's not all that it's rational. not normal it's no not, not normal. normal i think it's like we'll call us the the not normal at the kitchen table podcast yeah. on right? zero but I so like much it. more but so much more how do i wrap this up i'm really bad i don't know i'm gonna oh you're giving away my book you should say something about that and I, then we'll like high five and we'll be done i am i am i am lucky enough to actually have not one but two copies of your book in my house. What, 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 and thank you and your, your publisher for sending this to me. And so throughout the one month period, when this podcast comes out, go to Facebook, go to Instagram, go to Twitter, look for the entry. You too can have this hot baby in your hot little hands. Um, <laughs> it's so much fun and so easy to read, like smart and easy to read. Those are two things for, I look for, especially if I have to learn something. You know? Well, awesome. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. And how would have been so embarrassing if you didn't? Jesus Christ. Oh no, I, I, yeah. We have yet to do that. I have a good sense about who who So you wrote a book. That's nice. So you wrote a book. Um I'm not <laughs> Terry Gross. I don't do this well. I either like you and want to talk to you or it's hella awkward and I makes I make Sandera do it. <laughs> nice. Nice. No, 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 no. <laughs> No. All right, lady. Well, this this has been super fun for me. And Yay, thank you so much for having me. It was it was really fun for me too. Absolutely. And I'm I know our audience will be psyched to check out um especially the Game of Thrones, the Looney Tunes. You've got a yeah. podcast. So we're just making friends everywhere we go. It's gonna be great. I like that. Okay. Thanks so much and aloha. Aloha. We know you could have done something else with the last 50-ish minutes of your life, but we're thrilled that you spent it with us. More information on Melissa can be found at our website, littlefoxtarot.com. Also, hook up with her on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We have two copies of Melissa's book, Kitchen Table Tarot, to give away. And so the first is going to go to the next person who signs up as a patron at the $2 a month or more level. So for less than the price of a cup of coffee a month, you get all kinds of rewards and your very own copy of Kitchen Table Tarot. Just visit tiny.cc slash tarot. And everybody else, just check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and look for the giveaway post. We can be found just by searching Archetypal Tarot Podcast. And I want to say, as ever, a big, big thanks to our amazing patrons, Richard, Sarah, Talia, 
Hillary, Peter, Rash, Christine, and Kat. This podcast is produced by Both And Media, and our theme music is by The Lunar Group. Until next time, aloha.